Hi, and welcome to the Ranch Church podcast recorded from our live Sunday experience. Our church is on an adventure with Jesus, holding live gatherings in and around the Rancho Mission Viejo community as our building that will be our next church home is finishing construction. Do you want to join us for service on a Sunday morning? The best way to stay up to date with where we will gather is through our weekly email. You can sign up for that by filling out the Connect card by clicking the link in the description of today's episode. And now, here's Cole Beshore with this weekend's message. It is good to be with you at church this morning. Hopefully you got one of these uh, outlines and some message notes. Not raise your hand. Somebody will come find you and give them to you. It's got our scripture for this morning and lets you know what series we're in. Also, you guys obviously had them because you did such a great job singing. But I got a question for you as we get going this morning. So summer is ending a little bit. It's kind of coming to this close. Kids are going back to school. Yay. But as you find yourself in uh, conversations with friends, whether you're going to dinner or just hanging out with them, what are some of the topics, this is a question for you so you can throw out answers, what are some of the topics you find yourself talking about in this season as kind of summer's coming to a close and you're headed into the next season? What are some of the topics that you guys are talking about as you gather with your friends? Football, that's right, it's coming. We're excited. Well, it started a little bit, yeah? So football, who's doing well, who's not? What else are you guys talking about? Not having school. Woohoo! All the high schoolers said, yeah, school. No, they're looking at me like, we did not say yay. I mean, we're there, but it's definitely not a yay. What are some of the other topics you guys are talking about with friends as you gather, kind of as the summer is closing? Say it loud. What? Where you went? Yeah, vacations. Where'd you go? Where'd you see? I haven't seen you. Where you been? Right? Some of the other things. Starting to talk about holidays. Yes, good. You're starting to talk about the holidays as they kind of come in. That's so fun. No, we're not talking. That's too. Forget it. Talking about how the winter is coming. No, boo. Right. None of that. Yeah, we're not ready for that. So one of the things I find myself, and I just have realized this as I've been in conversations with friends and kind of gathering at the close of the summer is exactly that. I find myself more and more in these places where you begin to just have these moments of sharing what happened this summer. Vacations that they went on, right? Whether it's big, kind of extravagant, they went somewhere far and fun, or they just spent more times at the beach with their family, staycation style, little trips to Big Bear, out to Palm Desert, scorching heat. And the conversation usually goes with, What'd you do? What'd you see? How expensive was it, right? How did the kids do? They did not like it at all, right? Ungrateful. We had so much fun. How miserable was it? How fun was it, right? These are kind of the stories. My bet is if you're like me, you're having these stories, right? With guys, it tends to be like, oh man, check this out, right? You're showing pictures of your trip and you're like, this is, I saw this. I don't know how that conversation goes in the women world, but that's sort of the, how the guys do it. And I've just found that I find myself more and more in these conversations of sharing stories of adventure and what you've experienced and what joy you've experienced and what what you're looking forward to in the future or next time you did it, right? What kind of adventures or moments that you're experiencing? And my bet is you're having conversations just like this. At some point in the next season, you're having moments where you're sharing these great stories of what you've seen, and what you've experienced, right? And because part of it is just when you've experienced something great, you kind of want to share about it, right? Have you ever had a moment where a friend 
tells you, you know, gives you like a tip, like, hey, if you haven't been to this new restaurant, right? And, you, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe. And you go and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a total gem. Or a little tip on just how to like get through the line somewhere a little bit faster, these moments of like just joy, right? And, it, and, it, and it's a piece of advice that goes a long way. Uh, this last summer, I got the opportunity with my family. We went to Oahu. We were taken there by my in-laws. So fun. But before we went, some friends of ours said, oh, hey, you're going to Oahu. You got to go over to this other side of the island. There's this little place. It's this little paddleboard rental place. It's out of the way, but it's on this river, and it's kind of in this unique spot. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe, because it's sort of out there. But they're like, no, no, trust me, it's worth it. And we went. And it was one of the most fun things we did as a family the whole time. It was this opportunity that we wouldn't have found without their piece of advice. Because when you have something great, what do you want to do with it? That's right. You want to share it. And so this morning, we're considering these moments of stories that we have, these moments of being able to share with our friends and a family. And what does it mean that we really have, when we have something great that we want to talk about it? We're going to talk about considering these opportunities and not just sharing about the vacations or the fun or the misery that we experienced, but also what it is that we have in Jesus. These moments of faith or of time with God. And we're going to do it by looking at a story where Paul is in Athens, and he's got this moment and this incredible speech. And so we're going to dive into it and just look about how he shares about the truth that he has come to experience and that he knows about who God is. And we're gonna look at his speech. There's other places to look at scripture and what it is to share this truth. We're gonna dive into this one and and find some highlights for us as we talk about sharing story. And I I wanna say this, just in preference for next week. I'm really excited about next week because next week, Kent and Bishwar is gonna be here. Yeah, he's excited about it. And so we all can be excited about it as well. And, and the reason why I'm excited about it is because he's going to be talking about, we're in this series, Adventure Awaits. And we're, he's going to be talking about this invitation, this adventure that's awaiting us to live life in the spirit, which I feel like is a really great end of this series, but also is a very important next step to what we're talking about this morning. So you want to come back next week, you don't miss it. But this morning, we're talking about these opportunities that we have to share and what that might mean for us. What is it that we need to know as we consider these opportunities? And then what is it exactly that we are sharing with others as we share story? So if you got your outlines, we're looking at Paul. He's in the store. He's in Athens. We're in Acts chapter 17. We're going to start on verse 16 and then jump down to 22. It's on your outlines. If you got it, here we go. So Paul, While he was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So Paul is in Athens and he's waiting for his friends and he's deeply troubled. And then he he begins to have these conversations. And the next passages are going to say, he talks to some Epicureans. He talks to some Stoic philosophers, right? Because he's in Athens. He talks to the God-fearers, which are Gentile believers. He talks to the Jews in the synagogues. And as he talks, they say, come tell us more. So he has this conversation and he's invited to talk more. So skip down to verse 22. So Paul standing before the council. This is the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers and leaders of the city. Hear what Paul is talking about and they want to have a discussion. And so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription in it. To an unknown God. 
This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I am telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of you, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead, speaking of Jesus. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And they ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So here's the story we have. We have Paul waiting in Athens. And Paul is waiting in Athens because he has received a message from God. He had a vision. And so he believes that God is calling him not to Athens, but God is calling him to Macedonia. So he knows he is on this journey and he's traveling with a group of companions and they are making their way up to the place that he knows that God has called him to continue to share the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done and what God is inviting the world to do. So he knows he's called to Macedonia. That's where he's going. He's traveling with a group of companions because we don't ever do this alone. We always do this in community. Paul's traveling in community. But he's there and he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him because they have been somewhere else. And so he's in Athens at kind of this layover. And you can just imagine Paul is sitting there and he's taking in the sights because Athens is an incredible city. It has some of the most interesting, it, some of the wonders of the world. We've got the place where the gods sit on top of the hill in this marvelous temple for the ancient world, right? And so Paul is there and he's taking in the city, but he's on his way to Macedonia. That's where God's called him. But he's taking in the city and he notices something. And we saw it at the beginning. It says that he saw all the many signs in the temples and he's troubled by them. He's actually, what Paul is doing is he looks at it and he, and he just sees that they're under these these idols, and so he begins to lean in as he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him and the others that are with them on their way in their continued mission. So Paul is there, and he sees this. And so as we consider what it is to share this good news that we have, because when you've got a piece of good news, you just want to share it. That's right. And so Paul is there and he has this incredible news and he's looking at this city and the first thing that we see that Paul has and what we need to be able to have if we're going to consider sharing this story is a heart for people. Because Paul is in this city 
and he sees the amazing amount of temples and idols and he's overwhelmed by it because he knows the danger and the destructive realities of being under idols. And actually the, the Greek, the way that word is phrased is he sees that the city is under the idols, right? There's a, many idols in the city and he sees that they are under them. And, and so Paul begins to just have this heart for others. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand about as we see Paul have this heart for this city. This city and the people that Paul begins to engage is not a natural group of people for Paul to want to engage. Because Paul, in his upbringing, would know the dangers of idols. So here's Paul's story. Before he was Paul, he saw... And he's the guy that because he thinks his people are believing incorrectly, he goes about chasing them down, wanting to throw them in jail and persecuting them because he knows the dangers of idols. He knows the story of his people that when they turn to idols, what happens to them, how their whole country collapses, how they wound, found themselves in exiles. And so Paul knows the dangers of chasing after these false gods or being under the control of, the, of anybody but the one true true living God. And so Paul, his whole life has been taught to not interact with this, to not be associated with this. This will cause pain in your life. This will cause damage. And he looks at this and he is deeply troubled by all of it, right? And Paul's upbringing in theology, everything would tell him that this group of people is terrible, they believe wrongly and wrongheaded. They, leave their, they live their lives incorrectly and what they practice is damaging to people and others and to be associated is dangerous for them as well. And so Paul's in the city, but what we begin to see is this is his upbringing, right? This would be his natural response to this group of people. They are not like him. They are not his people. They believe differently than them and they believe wrongly. And yet, because Paul is changed by God's work in his life, he has eyes to see the hurt in others. Even others that he doesn't want to spend time with. Even others that don't have the same sort of lifestyle or beliefs that he has. A group of people he would not normally want to be associated with. But because Paul has been changed by God, he sees the need for people. He has developed a heart for people and a heart for people that are not like him and a heart for people that are in need, right? Paul is talking to those people that are not like him, but he looks at the world that they are living in, sees all of the, the wayward beliefs, and he knows that they are in need, and so he has can't help but begin to engage because... He has been transformed by this. This is why next week is so important, right? Because he has had let the Spirit work in his life long enough that he now has eyes to see those around him. Now, in order to share this story, we have to have a heart for other people. And sometimes that means people that are not like us. But it always means people that are in need. And so what we see is that Paul does this remarkable thing. And we, as we talk about the story, we can't catch the remarkableness of his speech and engagement until we really do understand how it is a remarkable thing that Paul is beginning to engage him in the way that he does, right? He knows that they have a need and he cares for them, even though his whole upbringing would not lead them, lead Paul to care for these people. But he does. And so he begins to lean in. And he begins to speak with them and he cares for them. 
And one of the things that we see as he begins to care about them and begin to share the story is Paul cares enough about them to not only just tell them the truth that he has, but he also knows enough of their story to begin to talk to them. So we see Paul, as he begins to care for this group of people, we see that he actually, he develops an understanding for who they are. We can imagine the few days that he's there before he begins to talk. He's taking in and getting a sense of who these people are and what their story is. And we see it as he gives the speech because he engages their beliefs and their story. And so we see that Paul cares and Paul knows their story. Do you know the story of the people that you're around? Right? Do you know the story of the kids that you sit next to in class, high schoolers? Do you know the story of your neighbors or your neighborhood? I've been in Ladera Ranch. I live in Ladera Ranch. We've lived there for about, about 15 years. Uh, and I love it. And we first moved in, I used to call it Pleasantville, right? Because, you know, it, RMV, Ladera Ranch, you guys, I mean, it's this area of Orange County. It's just kind of got this Pleasantville vibe about it. And one of the things I love about it is, you, just, you know, around the holidays, you can't drive down any street without finding a group of friends or neighbors out on the cul-de-sacs having a block party, right? It's just a place that it's almost like it was designed for community and people need community. And so there's this sense as you look at, as I look at my neighborhood that I love, that it has this sense of wanting to be in community and wanting to connect with friends and neighbors. And yet, Ladera Ranch is also a place where marriages fail at a higher rate than most of the rest of the country. It is a neighborhood and a place where there is immense hurt and pain in those various communities, right? And so as much as there's things that I love about my neighborhood and that just have these kind of intrinsic values that I would say are so great, there's real hurt. And, and we live in Orange County, right? We the consumer capital of the world, right? We have it all. And, the, and consumerism, the danger of consumerism, which we all live in, because we live in Orange County, is that in a consumeristic society, what we begin to do without even knowing it is to treat everything in economic terms, including our relationships. And so we don't even realize it, but we subtly begin to evaluate every person that we come in contact in economic terms. And so they're not a human being made in the image of God, but they are somebody that will either I find gain from or will drain me, right? We begin to look at every relationship that we encounter in purely economic terms, which is no way to live. And it causes pain. And so even though I love where I live and there's wonderful things, the reality is, there are stories of hurt and need right in my own neighborhood, right in our own neighborhoods. And there are stories that are lies about what the world is and how it exists, which we've talked about in the past. And there is a real need where we live. Is there not? Where you live, the schools that you go to, the truth is, if we come to understand their stories, in the midst of learning about who they are, as Paul does, you'll also begin to see that there is real need. Sometimes they're even unaware of the amount of need that is in their life. And so what we see is Paul has this great thing to share. And when you have a great thing to share, what do you want to do? Share it, right? When you have a great piece of news, you want to... That's right. See, we're getting it. I said it wrong the first time. I know, but you're with me now. And so we see this is, this is Paul develops this heart and he develops a heart for people that are not like him and people that are in need so much so that he even learns their story. Now, 
Okay, so we have this great piece of news. We know we need to share it because when you have a great piece of news, you share it. We maybe are beginning to develop a heart for the people and so we think we need to do it. What is it that we want to share exactly? I just want to have somebody raise their hand and I'm just going to call you up. And would you just say what it is you're going to share? It's hard, isn't it? Right? High schoolers, you think about sharing with your friends or neighborhood. Sometimes we get locked up in that. What is it, the story that we're actually going to share? Let's look at some of what Paul says and let's find some of the truth that we actually are talking about sharing. And so the first part of what we see that Paul shares is he shares about the God of the universe, right? We see this is the God who created all things and in him, all life is found. He gives life and sustains life. He needs nothing from us, right? And this is his point about saying, this God does not live in temples or foreign objects, which by the way, when the Epicurean group heard this, they would be like, yes, that's right because they had become suspicious, the Epicurean philosophers had become suspicious about all these temples and they began to think there's no way that God would live in these sort of things. Now, that's true about them. So they hear Paul say this and they're like, aha, yes, we agree with you, Paul. But the idea that God would come near would be foreign to them because though they believed that God did not live in temples or shrines, they did not believe God was close or caring or involved or mattered at all. So God was inconsequential. And so one of the things that we see Paul share is first, he shares about who this God is. The creator God, Lord of all things, who gives and sustains life and needs nothing from us and is not found in objects of the world. He's talking about statues, but if you imagine Paul talking today, he would be talking about money or privilege or possessions of any kind and would say, this is not where God is found. This is not where God is found. And some of us would say, yeah, we've experienced that because I've chased those things and God is not found there, but I'm not sure God is close. And this is what the Epicureans would kind of say. They would say, okay, God may be creator, but he's out there, he's uninvolved. And so Paul steps into this next part, which is not only that God is the God who created all things and give life to all things, but this is the God who has come near. This is the God who cares to be in relationship with you. God is not distant as they believe. God has come near. God wants to be involved in your life and bring transformation to your life. So we talk about a God who created all things and is powerful over all things. And we share a story of a God who cares and acts in the world. A God that when humanity rejected him, creating all sorts of problems and evil, which we see as we reject God and his preference and plan for our life, that God would not leave us in that state, but showed up to draw us back into relationship and bring healing. It is a God that has come near. He has given us a way to live, right? God is not inconsequential. God lives and acts in our very lives. And we experience that work of transformation, those moments of his presence in healing, right? And so what we see is Paul understanding their story and sharing this God who is the God of the universe and powerful and is the God that has come near. 
And so he, he picks on the things that they, they on some, the, the moments where he looks at this group of people, so with the Epicureans and with the Stoics, he, he points out a couple things where it's like, yes, you're getting it right here. Now let me invite you into the next step. So God is powerful and God doesn't live in temples, but God is close. And it's just kind of the reverse with the Stoics, right? They didn't believe, they believed sort of the opposite of the Epicureans in that sense. And so God, so Paul invites them into this truth. This is the truth that we share. This is the truth that we share. Now, I want to, I just, as we consider what is the story we share, because I can go on and on and on. In fact, this is what we talk about every week on church on Sunday, right? This is the story that we share with others. I want to invite you, if you're in this place where you're like, okay, I got it. God, I, I share the story of the God of the universe, and I share the story of the God that has come near. If you want to explore that more, just spend some time this week. Go back to Acts chapter 17 and just read Paul's declaration to these men of Athens one or two more times. Just to hear the truth that God, that Paul is inviting them into. The truth that we believe. The truth that changes. The truth that is a piece of good news. Because when you have a piece of good news, you can't help but share it. That's right. All right. So we see that we have a heart for people. And the story that we share, right, in part of a God who created all things and a God who has come near. And so now we got to share the story. So we share God's story, right? This is going back to the story of what God has done, the one who created all things and who Jesus is, that he showed up, a real person, took on all of the sins of the world, defeated death on the cross, for us and that this God is alive and wanting to have work in people's lives that they can experience it well. But one of the ways that when we talk about sharing the story is we don't just share, pick up and read the story always from scripture. That would be sharing God's story. Sometimes we share that story through our own lives. Because the truth is, as we come to say yes to this adventure with Jesus, that we have moments where this story has become real in our own lives. So part of sharing the story is sharing my story, right? And then the, I think this is part of the invitation I want to invite us into this morning. Because as you just consider those moments where you have times of sharing stories with friends... What is this other piece of story that I want to share, that I believe, that's good news, that I want to share with others? And now for some of us, a lot of our friend groups maybe already are on, yes, this adventure with Jesus. And so I just want to point out to you something as you consider sharing the story. So yes, we want to share the story with those that don't know it and have not experienced in their own lives. But also, when we share this story with those that have said yes to the adventure with Jesus, it brings about life change as well. When I'm with a group of friends and as they're sharing a story maybe about vacation or adventure, or when they share a story about something God has done in their lives, what does it do for me? It reminds me of the truth I believe. It encourages me for the, the truth. Maybe I, ha I feel like I'm in a place where I haven't seen God work in a little bit and I hear about God working and it reminds me of what I believe and the need I have to see God work in other places of my life. It draws me back to God. It draws me back to the truth of this good news of the story. So sometimes when we think about sharing the story, we only think to people that don't know it, but the truth is 
that when we share it with those that do know it or have some sense of it, it has immense effect and power in their lives and our lives. This is part of being the church. And the other part of it is it helps us get good at sharing the story of God at work in our lives. So that when we find ourselves talking with people that maybe don't believe or on a street, we begin to just let that story slip out. And sometimes these moments aren't that as big or as grandiose as we you know, might want them to be. The other day I was uh, talking with a guy and, and we were in this moment and we're just, you know, we began to talk about, and he doesn't, doesn't believe, but he knows I'm a pastor. He knows about the church. And he, uh, we, we start talking about dealing with uh, people that are a pain, for lack of better words. Anybody deal with people like that? Yeah, we just start talking about, about hurt people, people that just come across miserable in their own lives and want to make other people miserable as well. And so he, you know, he's kind of venting about, you know, an experience with that. And so I just begin to, to and, you know, and I commiserate a little bit with him. But then I just share a little bit about how, yeah, as a church, one of the things that we find ourselves doing a lot is welcoming hurt people into our midst and learning that because we have experienced grace, that we can extend a little bit of grace to people that aren't in a great spot and are trying to make others miserable. Now, I, I don't know how much he took in. But it was just the beginning of sharing the truth of the story of a God who has extended me, extended the community that I live in, worship in, grace, an ability to extend that grace even when it's a little bit difficult because that's what the church is. This is who people that have said yes to an adventure with Jesus, this is how we live in this kind of instance, right? It's the story of what the church is. It's the story of what God has done in the life of a group of people. Small moment, shared a little bit about the story, and it's not everything, but it's the truth of who God is that he invites people in to find healing and help in his community of believers. And so we share the story of the God of the universe that created all things. And so as you live your lives and as you come to a place where you visibly stopped treating people just in economic terms, the story that that's sharing to your friends and neighbors as you do that in tangible ways and as they see it, you are reminding them that the universe actually works differently than maybe they thought. Right? You're beginning to declare the story of a God who created the universe and did not create it in that way, created humanity with a totally different purpose than just feeding some sort of economic positive or negative in our own lives, right? And when we share the story of how God has showed up when we deal with difficult people or when we extend grace to others, you're sharing the truth of a God who has extended grace towards you, which is the story of God at work and your lives. And so sometimes it's the way you live that out that begins to invite them for you to tell that story. And here's the thing. As you look at Paul's story, how does it end? There's the conversation wrapped up right then and there. And the truth is that the speech that Paul had was probably a lot longer than what Luke records and acts. But Paul shares this story and then what's the response? Some of them are intrigued and want to know more. Some of them are like, this is crazy. And that line about the resurrection of the dead, especially in the place that he's saying it, would have spun some of them out. And they just, 
walk away, but there's a whole group that begin to believe immediately and there's a whole other group that wants to know more. The conversation doesn't end right there. Sometimes sharing the story isn't the end of the story, right? And I just think we need to remind ourselves that everything doesn't need to be wrapped up in a nice little bow right there. It wasn't for Paul. And Paul also is in a place that he didn't expect to share. He's in between places, right? He's on his way to go somewhere else, right? He's like at Barstow, you know? He's just, you know, it's one place from here to there. You know, it's just one stop on the way to where you're actually trying to get. Sorry if you're from Barstow, right? That's where Paul is. And yet in that moment he didn't expect is when God lets him begin to share this story. Sometimes it's just when we're sharing stories of vacation that God is inviting us to share a little bit more of a story that has way more impact and value to the people we're sharing with. Okay, if you've got nothing else this morning, are you ready? Here's something you need to hold on to, okay? If you've got nothing else this morning, let me just sum it up as this as we continue to worship. To share, when you believe you have good news, what do you want to do with it? That's right. To ever come to a place where we would be even begin to share the truth of the story that has transformed our lives and matters. And it matters. It matters in the dark valleys of our life. This is the story that matters in the good moments of our lives. This is the story that matters. But before we can ever come to a place where we'll ever share it, we have to believe that this story is worth sharing. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves of just that truth. And the second place is, when we begin to share with others, we have to listen to them like they are worth listening to. Nobody's ever going to hear a story if they don't believe that you think they are worth listening to. And so we have to believe that this story is worth sharing and we have to listen to them like they are worth listening to. And when we share, we share the story, God's story, and we share my story. We share God's story, and we share my story. And God of the universe who created all things will provide moments for you in this next week to begin to see and be reminded of the story of the truth of what he is doing in the world and in your lives and begin to share that with others. That is what I believe this week. That is what I believe this week. And as we worship right now, I think that's something what the Holy Spirit's going to begin to talk to you. So you want to worship with me? And some of you are like, I don't know because I don't want to hear that from God right now, but we're going to worship anyways. Okay, you ready? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are grateful for you that you are the God who has come to save me, that you show up in the darkest moments and you provide hope where there is a need for hope. God, that you bring joy to our lives and life, true life. So God, we pray that we would just hear from you, Holy Spirit, in this place as you invite us to share the truth of your story.